beholden in their particular experience. And so if, if you've been with us each week now, we, we started with uh, Isaiah, uh, the prophet. Remember, we spoke about Isaiah and how he, he uh, brought a word to Israel, both uh, to, to the northern kingdom a little bit, but mostly to the southern kingdom. And, and was just getting, you know, calling it back and saying you need to just get back in that right relationship. And as they continued to refru- refuse, he, he finally gave them a vision of, of the conspiracy that God was going to accomplish. Uh, then we moved on uh, last week to Jeremiah. We talked about the prophet uh, Jeremiah and how he spoke to the southern kingdom because the northern kingdom had already fallen to the power of the Assyrians. And so he was now speaking to the southern kingdom, and, and it was just on the verge uh, during his time of, of collapse. And in fact, during his time of, of uh, being the prophet for Israel, uh, it actually ended up, you know, the southern kingdom finally fell and ended his time of prophecy. And if you remember, we also noted that during that time, uh, there was the first exile of God's people to Babylon, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exerted his power over the southern kingdom, and so he had, uh, he had invaded and he had um, taken all of the uh, upper crust, you know, the, the tradespeople and the skilled people and learned folks. He had taken those folks and, and shipped them off uh, to Babylon. Well, today, in the middle of that experience, we move on to another prophet. Uh, and that prophet is Ezekiel. And uh, while Jeremiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom and the people who were left, after that exile to Babylon, uh, Ezekiel is a prophet who actually is a prophet in exile. He is a prophet who speaks to the people of Israel, but he speaks to that that group of people who went into exile, the folks that are off in Babylon, right? And and you can see it right away if you go to uh, uh, Ezekiel and you look at his his 17th chapter, and I, I don't have it for you, but I'll just read you know, a reference. He acknowledges this as he describes the king of Israel of the southern kingdom being taken away. He uses picture language in order to do that. So kind of, you know, close your eyes, get the picture here of of what he's saying. It starts right in the 17th chapter. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, uh, son of man, set forth an allegory and tell the house of Israel, Israel a parable. Say to them, and here's the quote, this is what the sovereign Lord says. A great eagle with powerful wings, long feathers, and full plumage of varied colors came to Lebanon. Taking hold of the top of a cedar, he broke off its topmost shoot and carried away to a land of merchants where he planted it in a city of traders. What's he talking about? This is Ezekiel's image for how Nebuchadnezzar has invaded now and taken the king of Israel, the topmost shoot of the great cedar of Israel, broken that off and dragged it off to Babylon in exile. Uh, The king of Israel at that time was Jehoiakim. Uh, Bad news for Jehoiakim is he only lasted three months before Nebuchadnezzar came uh, and invaded. He was only on the throne for three months, and then he was taken off into exile in Babylon. Uh, The interesting thing is that while he's taken off into Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar made a deal with with Jehoiakim's uh, uncle, Zedekiah, to sit on the throne in Israel. And Zedekiah said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, I will be obedient. You bet, absolutely. And of course, what happens is Nebuchadnezzar goes back to uh, Babylon, and Zedekiah starts working behind the scenes, 
and starts making an alliance with the Egyptians to try and get the Egyptians involved to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, once again, relying on his own reason, relying on his own skills, not on the Lord's promises, it all falls apart. And Zedekiah is, uh, is finally um, taken and he watches all of his sons be killed in front of him. And then Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has his eyes blotted out. Pretty dramatic. Yeah. And now he has to live a dependent life. Well, why tell you all that story? What you need to just get this morning as we, as we get into the prophecy is, is to understand we're talking about people this morning who are desolate. They are off in a foreign land. They're not home. They're off in a foreign place. Everything has been ripped away from them. You know, their, their shop where they were the, uh, the silversmith, it's not theirs anymore. They're in Babylon, right? Their home that they lived, it's not theirs anymore. They're in Babylon. Everything that they were comfortable with, everything that made life comfortable for them has been totally ripped away, and they're now off in Babylon. You know when you go on an extended vacation? You know, you go on those extended vacations. Maybe you're gone for, you know, a week or two weeks, and, and you're doing the sightseeing trip. You've done that vacation yet where you do the sightseeing trip, and it's, you know, hotel room here and then a hotel room there and packing and unpacking and doing all that stuff. How good does it feel after the two weeks are over and you finally get home? I mean, it's like, oh, I'm home, right? It's like, oh, finally, I'm home. You know, the kids run in, they got their toys back. I mean, everybody's like, oh, we're home. Oh, this feels so good. Why does it feel so good to be home? Well, because you're back in your comfortable place. You're back in, in your security. You're back in that place where, where well, it's just your domain, right? And it, 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 it's you. It feels good. These people, they don't have it. The people that Ezekiel is talking to, they don't have it. Their home has been utterly ripped away. They are in the wrong place in their life. And Ezekiel comes along, and in the middle of the 17th chapter, he gives them a word of hope and prophecy. And it's really the only prophecy that, that we can look at Ezekiel and, and really hone in and say, now this is a messianic prophecy that we can understand uh, refers to uh, Jesus. It comes in the 17th chapter, and it starts at the 22nd verse. If you've got your, your hand out there, you can follow along or just watch the screens. And here's the way he starts. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost, shoot, topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. Stop there for a minute. I just shared with you the first part of the 17th chapter when he talked about Jehoiakim, the king, being broken off and taken in exile. Remember? Right? And he referred to him as the topmost shoot. Now, by the 22nd verse, Ezekiel begins to initiate the conspiracy that says God is going to do something phenomenal. God is going to do something incredible. Greater than the king Jehoiakim. Greater than just bringing Jehoiakim back out of Babylon. He is going to do something even more fantastic and unbelievable. He is going to break off the top of the, of the giant cedar and he's going to take that and he's going to plant it on a high mountain. It, it's Ezekiel's way of saying that the promise that God made 
to David and all of his ancestors the promise that a Davidic king would sit on the throne, I'm going to do it. I'm still going to do it. Ezekiel is laying out for these people in exile who've had everything ripped away from them to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is capable for your future. Even though you have everything ripped away, even though everything is torn away, everything seems to be going wrong, everything seems to be in the wrong place, and your life is in the wrong place, even though everything's been stripped, wait a minute, God is capable. And God has started conspiracy that's going to reclaim your future. God is going to restore your future. It is the promise that Ezekiel makes that God himself is going to do that. If you look at the verse, you can see it. It's really key words where he says, I myself. This is not something God's going to delegate somewhere else. He's not going to just give it to some angel to do. He says, no, this is something I myself am going to do. And we know he does it when he invades our world, he himself, and becomes a child born in a manger. He himself does it. See, the idea that Ezekiel wants the people in Babylon to understand and everybody in the room this morning to get is that if your life is in the wrong place, Babylon, if your life is in the wrong place, if your marriage is in the wrong place, young people, if your life is headed in the wrong place, you need to understand Ezekiel this morning because he's saying God is absolutely capable of recovering your life and your future. Wherever you are this morning, God is absolutely capable of taking just that small twig that seems so insignificant to a giant cedar tree that's over a hundred feet tall. He can take just that small twig and out of that grow an incredible kingdom in your life. If you feel like you're in Babylon, you need to understand Ezekiel this morning and understand that God is capable of bringing your life to a new and better place. Why does he do that? He does that because his love is capable. Out of his sheer love. Remember, the people of God are over in Babylon. Why? Because God is trying to teach them and, and disciple them and bring them along in life to understand they've lived a life apart from him. The kingdom, remember, fell. We talked about this. The kingdom of the north and the kingdom of the south fell because the people were going their own way. They were doing their own thing. They weren't listening and trusting God. The kings, remember, even though the prophet came and said, look, just trust God, king. Don't take it into your own hands. Just leave it in God's hand. Just trust God. They ignored it. And so out of his love, God is trying to teach them and bring them to a better place in their life, even though it means being in exile in Babylon. And his love is capable of embracing all the situations that any of us go through. It looks like this in Ezekiel's prophecy, the 23rd verse. He says, On the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. I will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. And they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. Birds of what kind? Every kind. That includes everybody in the room. And then some. Birds of every kind. 
Have you heard a story, by the way, kind of similar to this? Have you heard of somebody speak a kind of a, a, a similar kind of image? Sure you have. Matthew 13, right? Matthew 13, you go to Matthew 13, and you've got Jesus in his ministry who says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and becomes, and birds come and make nests in its branches. How big, how encompassing is God's love? You're all included. Everybody you know. See, Ezekiel is, is trying to get an image in our hearts and minds this morning that reminds us there is nothing beyond the love that God has for you in Jesus Christ. And even if your life has been over in Babylon, and, and even if you've been living in a direction contrary to where God wants you to be, His love is big enough to still embrace you. The, the, the branches of that cedar are still big enough so that you can come into that cedar and find rest. The, the, the branches are big enough. It can, it can shelter you no matter what's going on in your life. You see, He wants us to understand that even though Babylon may be where we're living, it's not where we've got to stay. He's capable of bringing our life to a better place. And His love is great enough to forgive and forget everything that's gone before. Everything that's brought our life to this place of exile. His love is capable. The psalmist knew it. Psalm 34. Uh, the psalmist speaks it this way. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Isn't that amazing? His love is absolutely capable. And it starts with a small twig. Insignificant that he just plants on a mountainside. I, I, mean, I mean, think about it. We're going to be celebrating Christmas Eve, right? And, and uh, you know, hopefully the room's going to be full three times in a row for our Christmas Eve services. But, you know, on that first Christmas, a couple kings showed up, some shepherds showed up, lots of angels hung out, but by and large it was pretty, pretty much insignificant, Right? I mean, not a lot of people noticed. Not a lot of people took it in. I mean, the shepherds went around telling other people in Bethlehem about it. And, and Herod was scared by it. But by and large, it was like that tender sprout, you know, that, that just small sprig branch that he's talking about here. P pretty insignificant. And yet look at the significance of what God was doing in that moment. You see, your life right now may feel very insignificant but it's not to God it's not to God and he is capable of moving you from Babylon to a better place and his love for you is capable of embracing everything that's gone before and being able to see you as a new person in this small sprig Jesus Christ that grows to be Savior God's love is capable He's also capable of bringing his favor into your life. Now, here's a cool part of, of the prophecy that um, Ezekiel makes. He says, All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. 
I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. Pay real close. Did you see what he's doing there? I mean, all common sense, right? All common sense would say, well, what kind of tree is going to flourish? Oh, the green tree. I mean, wouldn't that make sense to us? I mean, the green tree is going to flourish, and, and, the, and the dry tree is going to, well, it's going to dry up and die. In the, in the prophecy, Ezekiel is telling us, wait a minute, God's wisdom is not like your wisdom. It takes the green tree even, and it can make it dry up and die. And it can take the dry tree that seems to be absolutely lifeless, and it can make it flourish. Because God can do things that you and I aren't capable of doing. Let me illustrate. Whoop. That's my plan. As you can see, I'm not very capable of having a green thumb. Right? I mean, this should be a nice, you know, luscious, green, big, flourishing. What do you think? Pretty weak? Now, I water the plant, and I keep it on a stand in that room right over there, and it gets light. But, you know, i got to be honest, I neglect it. Don't do it all the time. I, I neglect it. I mean, you, you wonder what I'm doing in there during the first two songs, right? I'm just getting water on the tree and, you know. But no, I'm not doing that. I'm praying hard. But, uh, yeah, you know, no. I mean, but, I mean, do you see what I'm trying to get? You know, I mean, the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the world would say that, well, green trees flourish and bear fruit. And what God's saying in Ezekiel here is, no, you don't, you don't get it. It, it. It's not about the wisdom of the world, it's about where my favor rests. Do you understand? It's where my favor rests. It's not about the wisdom of the world. And remember, what got the people of Israel in problem, into problem and off into Babylon? They stopped listening to God's wisdom. They stopped doing what God desired. They stopped letting their life move in the direction that God wanted it to move. And, and instead, they started making their own decisions on their own wisdom and their own desires. And it landed them where? Off in Babylon. Off in Babylon. You see, they became withered up and died, even though they had the potential of being green and flourishing. See, the wisdom for us is to listen to Ezekiel this morning and understand our life becomes green and flourishing, not in our own wisdom, but in our dedication the wisdom of Christ, to that insignificant twig that God could take and plant on a mountaintop. You see, what he's talking about here isn't just Christmas. It's not just Christmas where God plants himself into the world. What he's talking about here is when that same twig is taken outside of Jerusalem and planted on a hillside on a tree called the cross. And, and when he's planted on that hillside so that everybody in history can see and understand that God has invaded the world and his love is capable, life moves from Babylon to the kingdom of heaven. God's capable for your future. God's love is capable 
to forgive you. God's favor is capable to do what you don't anticipate and what you may not expect. The psalmist captures it this way in Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will they will still be fresh and green proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. You see where their strength comes from? Last piece. The prophet Ezekiel wants the people in Babylon and us to understand that this conspiracy we've been talking about, of, of what God is doing, God is absolutely committed, absolutely committed to this conspiracy. He will not change his mind. He will, he will not fall back and, and take a different path. He is absolutely committed to what the prophets have been telling us. And for Ezekiel, it ends up his prophecy saying this, I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. God is absolutely committed and capable. If you're in Babylon, if your life is in Babylon this morning, God is absolutely committed in Jesus Christ to bring you to a different place. Whatever's going on, He is, he is just, you cannot miss His commitment. Look at that twig that He planted on a hill outside Jerusalem on that cross and you can see his absolute commitment to your life. He is absolutely committed and he is absolutely capable. And so First Peter would give us the invitation this morning building on, on this conspiracy. First Peter would give us the invitation this morning in these words. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Especially if you're living life in Babylon. He has not forgotten you, He has not forsaken you, and He is not prepared to leave you there. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for this great conspiracy. For the incredible good news that the prophets have proclaimed that you, you have not let go of us. You will not let us live in despair in Babylon. But you make that promise and you fulfill it in Jesus Christ. That, that tender shoot that came in the small town of Bethlehem, that, that grew up in the insignificant place of Nazareth, and yet became the most important life to ever be lived and walk on the face of the earth. And so today, we look at that hillside. We look at that tree that was planted on the cross. We could dream or imagine. So bless us now. Bless us now. And re rescue us from Babylon. In his precious name, amen.